Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing well? Okay, some people decided to sleep in and go to the 11 o'clock service, I can tell. A little distribution of the wealth here. I want to welcome those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online as well. We're so glad you've joined us. And, you know, I had a great little vacation time, but it's good to be back in the pulpit and sharing God's Word with you this morning. So back in the late 1800s, doctors and scientists believed in something called spontaneous generation. And the idea behind spontaneous generation was that living organisms could suddenly pop up anywhere from non-living organisms, and that pretty much explained disease. That from out of nowhere, a disease could appear on a person's skin or in a person's body, and doctors didn't assume that it was related to anything. Now, in many cases, these diseases would sweep through families and communities, killing thousands upon thousands of people. But the assumption was it's just random. Maybe it's providential. Maybe it's God's will. But there was never any further investigation to determine maybe how these diseases are related or how these diseases may be transmitted. Because it was assumed, because of spontaneous generation, that a non-living organism could produce a living organism that then resulted in disease. But then a guy came along, you may have heard his name before, Louis Pasteur, and he said, no, that's not the case at all. He said there are actually invisible microorganisms that you cannot see that carry these diseases, that they can be carried along by the wind, they can be passed along by contact with a person's skin, they can live in food or on different surfaces, and these diseases are not just popping up randomly from non-living organisms, but there's an invisible world that impacts our visible world. And this invisible world of germs, as they would come to be known, they're everywhere. These microorganisms, they're everywhere, but you can't see them. So the unseen world impacts our seen world and has the potential to damage people, uh, communities, to spread pestilence all across the globe, kill thousands upon thousands of people. And so Pasteur put forth what became known as the germ theory of disease. This idea that these living invisible microorganisms can impact our visible world. Well, the theory caught on pretty quickly among the little close-knit medical community that Pasteur was a part of. And guess what they started doing? They started washing their hands. They separated people from each other. They began to quarantine, something we're familiar with, right? And they started to watch to see if there could be a spread of a disease from one person to another. But, you know, people inside and outside the medical and scientific community, many of them just laughed at this concept. They thought it was ridiculous. Wait, you're telling us that there's some unseen world that impacts our seen world? You expect us to believe that there's this invisible world out there, these little invisible microorganisms that can carry disease and it can land on food and infect it or land on a person and impact them? Come on, get real. I mean, you really believe there's an invisible world around us that impacts our visible world? To which Pasteur replied, absolutely, absolutely. Well, nowadays, that's not a theory, it's an assumption, right? 
I mean, we all believe in germs. Every one of us here in this room, we believe there's an invisible world that impacts our visible world. That's why everywhere you turn these days, you see this stuff, right? Hand sanitizer. I mean, since COVID, we become addicted to this stuff. It's, it's everywhere. Because not only do we believe in germs, but not only do we believe that there's this invisible world that can impact our visible world, we believe that they can be dangerous, even life-threatening. And it's so fascinating to me that the past couple years has brought a heightened awareness to the power of an invisible, unseen world to impact our seen world. Now, the rub comes in in that the Bible says there's another invisible world. There's an invisible world out there. And it doesn't just impact us physically. It impacts us relationally. It impacts how we think. It impacts our worldview. It impacts our attitudes toward morality, purity, finances, marriage, how we date, you know, how we interact with each other, how we do business. And it can be physically, emotionally, and relationally life-threatening. And yet many of us, even as we're talking about this, we're a bit skeptical, aren't we? We're kind of like those people back in the late 1800s who said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me there's an invisible world that impacts my visible world every single day? That's hard to believe. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some things that may be a little difficult to believe. But I'll tell you this, the same Bible that says love one another, and we all love that command, right? The same Bible that says, husbands, love your wives, and all the wives love that one, right? Same Bible that says, children, obey your parents. The parents love that one, right? It's in there. Same Bible that says, you can get to know God, be forgiven of your sins, and get the gift of eternal life just by faith in Jesus, and we love that verse. Well, that exact same Bible says it's not just that. There's more. There's an invisible world that impacts our visible world every single day. And guess what? I would submit to you that you don't need a microscope to see or discover it. I would say all you need is a rearview mirror. Let me explain what I mean by this. All you need to do is look back over the course of your life at some of the decisions you've made. Like I look back over the course of my life and I go, how could I have been so stupid? Like how how could I have been so confused, so deceived and thought that was a good idea? Like how in the world did I think that relationship was going to lead someplace good? Or that approach to finances would take me someplace good. I mean, at the time, it made total sense. But now, looking back, it seems crazy. And here I am paying a price physically, emotionally, relationally, financially for a decision I made when it was as if I was in a fog. Or maybe, just maybe, you don't need a rearview mirror. All you need is a mirror because you're in the middle of it right now. Or if that doesn't do it for you, Maybe you just need to look around at your loved ones because you watch them make decisions and you think, why can't you see this the way I see it? I mean, it's so clear to me and everybody who knows you, you're about to make a terrible mistake. But but they can't see it, right? It makes total sense to them. You know, they argue their case and their logic is so fouled up that the rest of us stand on the periphery of their lives and go, what, huh? You may regret this for the rest of your life. What are you doing? Now, eventually, most people come to their senses, and they go, you know, what, what was I thinking? You know, what was I doing there? How in the world could I have thought that was the right thing to do? Well, it's really simple, as we're going to see. The Bible explains this for us, because the Bible says there is always a deception going on. There's a distortion of the truth, a confusion of the truth, and that is going on all the time. And it's enough to get us into trouble, but not so much as to scare us off. 
Because the ones behind this deception, they're not going to tip their hands so as to become too obvious. Because if they became too obvious, we'd see them for who they are and we would run. But the interesting thing is, not everybody falls for all this all the time. I mean, there are some people, and maybe you're one of them, who have learned to kind of navigate around this minefield, the deception. And they don't make all those bad choices. See, they don't buy into the culture's definition of how you should handle marriage, morality, money. They are different. And I think in our moments of sanity, we look at them and go, man, I want to be like that. Like, I want that kind of marriage. I want that kind of self-esteem. I want to be that emotionally healthy. I want those kinds of habits so I can be more free like they're free. There are some people who navigate around it all, but let's face it, they're the exceptions, not the norm. Well, Jesus, he um, gives us some insight into this whole unseen world. This is in John chapter 8. And I want you to listen carefully. He begins with this. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Let's all say it together. Free. Yeah, we all know that one, right? Politicians love that one. Everybody loves this verse. In fact, many people don't even know where it comes from, and they say, the truth shall set you free. Folks, this is Jesus' take on the invisible world. And let me give you the context of John chapter 8 here. Jesus is interacting with some of the religious leaders of his day. And he's far enough into his ministry. He's done enough miracles. He's taught enough profound things that many people are kind of nodding their heads and going, hey, this this may be the Messiah. But the religious leaders, they're standing on the periphery and they're going, no, we don't think it's him. And honestly, they should have been the easiest to influence right, the easiest to convince. They should have known exactly what to look for in the Messiah, but they don't like Jesus. And so Jesus is talking with these religious leaders saying, look, after all you've seen and heard, you still don't recognize that I come from God? And their response is, we have Abraham as our father. Like, we're related to Abraham. If God wanted to say something to us, he would have said it through Abraham. He would have said it through the law of Moses. We don't need to listen to you, Jesus. You're a false Messiah. You're a false prophet. You're not from God. And Jesus says to them, look, if you were really Abraham's sons, you would know that I'm from God because Abraham knows who I am. God knows who I am. And so they really get into it, and Jesus eventually takes the gloves off and tells them why, in the face of all the evidence, they don't recognize that he's from God. Check this out, John 8, 43. He says, why is my language not clear to you? In other words, why is it you're not getting this? Because you are unable to hear what I say. I'll tell you why you don't know who I am. Verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Wow. Guys, the reason you don't know who I am is because there is a deceiver and he has duped you. He has twisted your thinking to where you take what I say and what I do and ascribe it to something other than God. The problem is you've been deceived by your father, Satan, the devil. Now, that's pretty offensive to them because they just got finished saying, we follow our father, Abraham. And Jesus goes, Abraham ain't your father. The devil's your father. Whew. I mean, try slipping that one into a conversation sometime when someone's not getting it. See how that goes. Wow. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desire. His desire is confusion, right? Verse 44, 
rest of the verse says, he, let's just stop right there. Because at this point, some people want to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. He, I mean, Jesus is just using like a figure of speech, right? He doesn't mean a real, literal entity, a, a person, the devil. Folks, Jesus said, he, he, talking about the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus is saying, Satan, your father is a murderer. Just a little foreshadowing here. Guess what you guys are going to do to me? You're going to take me and you're going to murder me. And that's understandable because that's what your father does. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father, the source, the originator of all lies. See, Jesus believed there was an actual person, a he, an entity, the devil. And his agenda ultimately is murder, the destruction of human lives. Now, the Bible's clear that the devil's power has been somewhat curtailed, but his agenda has never changed. And the means by which he carries it out is deception, distortion, twisting the truth. See, he has the freedom and the power to confuse people, to deceive people and thus do incredible damage. He actually has the ability to then destroy what is most valuable to the human race, relationships, marriages, father-child, mother-child, siblings, friendships, community. Satan's agenda is to destroy all that, and he does it through just one tool, lies, deception, confusing the human mind so that people think what is right is actually wrong and what is wrong is actually right. And so people do things that make absolutely no sense to anyone looking on, but they make perfect sense to them. You know, in John 14, 30, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. Folks, Jesus believed the devil, Satan, was the prince of this world. And that this world, this globe that we live on, was his domain. Right? He said, the prince of this world is coming. If you look over in Luke chapter 4, one of the temptations of Jesus, we read this. The devil led him, that would be Jesus, the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I mean, in order for him to do that, it had to be his the gift, right? Is that true? Verse 6, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, this is a bit disturbing. And Satan hasn't been given control over everything in terms of what he can do, but he has been given authority. And I can't fill in all the gaps, but the scriptures teach that you and I, we live on a planet that is under the authority of a personality, an entity that Jesus refers to as Satan, the devil. And his agenda is destruction. Now that's a little disconcerting, but maybe, just maybe, it can be helpful for us. Because maybe it explains some things. See, maybe it's something we need to factor in to all of our struggles with temptations in life. Maybe it's something we need to factor in to our struggles at home or at work or with a prodigal son. 
or that weird thing where you have moments of clarity and then moments of insanity and then moments of clarity again? Like, here's what I need to do. And then you go right out and you do the opposite? Like, what is that? Something wrong with me? Or maybe there's an invisible world that impacts our visible world. 30 years after Jesus said this, the Apostle Paul comes along. And he's writing to Christians at a church in Ephesus, talking about how to live their lives, like how to raise kids, how to have a good marriage. The whole book is very relational. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you don't need to do. Here's what you need to be careful of. And at the end of this book, listen to what Paul says. Put on the full armor of God. We're going to talk about that in this series. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devils. And what's the next word here, people? Schemes. He has schemes. You know what Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, believed? He believed there was a personality, an entity. It's a him, the devil. And he has schemes. He has plans. And it's real simple. Take what is true and twist it. Take what is evident and distort it just enough to harm us. Like, don't make yourself too evident. Don't make it too obvious. Just find some common ground and lead people astray. So let's take appetites. Those are good things. And let's twist them to where they become addictions. Let's take pleasure. That can be a good thing, but let's twist it to where it becomes greed. Let's take something that's appealing and twist it to where it becomes jealousy. Let's take appreciation and twist it to where it becomes lust. In fact, let's so twist people's view of God that they get angry at God. And then they make decisions based on that anger. And then they blame God for the consequences of their decisions. See, there's a scheme. There's a plan. And when you begin to factor that into everything you see and experience, for some of you, there's going to be an aha moment. And my prayer is that for every one of you throughout this series, you're going to have that aha moment where you recognize, man, there's something bigger going on here. Listen to what else Paul says. This is helpful if you're struggling in life. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Can we say that out loud together? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, it's not just your husband that's the problem. I know that's hard to believe, ladies. It's, it's not. It's not just your daughter or your son that's the problem. It's not just your boss. It's not just you. Paul says, remember to factor this in. It's not just what you see. There's an unseen, invisible world that impacts what is seen and visible. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whoa. Hey, come on, Paul. Now, now you're saying there's not just this, this guy, Satan, out there. Like It's a whole army? Rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces? Paul says, oh, yeah. This murderer, this deceiver has legions of demonic forces that work along with him. Now, some of you right now, you're listening to this, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I'm so glad we're talking about this, Brian, because too many people just dismiss this stuff. I mean, I read passages like this, and I think about my own life, and I wonder, is it the devil? Is it not? I don't know. So I think I might try that thing in my marriage where I just go to my husband and say, you're of your father, the devil. Yeah, see how that works out. 
Jesus did. Why not? No, don't go there. Okay, that's the one extreme, I think. The devil behind every bush kind of thing. Uh, on the other hand, you know, maybe you're here, and this is your first time back to church in a long time. And you're going, yeah, see, this is why I quit going to church right here, because I struggle with this kind of stuff. I struggle believing this. And let me just say a word to you really quickly, if that's where you're at. If you're skeptical about this whole thing, I totally understand. You know why? Because it's invisible. And besides, you've got your own explanations as to why people get trapped in addictions. Right? You don't need a devil to explain that. You've got your own explanation as to why things didn't work out with you and your ex-wife. I mean, obviously, it goes back to her, right? She was all fouled up before we got married and should have seen it coming and blah, blah, blah. blah. You've got your own explanations for all that stuff. But come on, let's just be honest for a second here. Isn't it true that every once in a while in life, you see something, you hear something, you experience something, and you go, that is just so evil. That is just so wicked. And in your little mind, you try to explain it off. You try to fit it into your reality and sort that out. And it's like, you've just run across something that is so purely evil that you don't really have any good explanation for that. And I think about some of the crazy things that, that I've heard about in my life or seen or experienced. You, know, you may remember the story years ago, the, the milkman who drives into this little Amish community, and you know, he goes into a school, ties up all these little girls, shoots 10 of them, killing five, and all because he lost a child 10 years earlier. I mean, that is just twisted. That is just evil. Or how about this? A group of guys spend years and years and years planning to hijack passenger jets and fly them into business buildings in New York City because that will make God happy. I mean, that is just twisted. I mean, that's not like somebody loses their temper and shoots someone. I understand that. You know, a guy walks in, his wife having an affair, gets angry and kills him. I understand that. But these guys spent years and years planning this. And the whole time, they're thinking, all oh, that makes perfect sense. Or how about we go even deeper? What about the Holocaust? You know, if you ever visit a concentration camp in Germany, nobody talks there. It leaves people speechless, just somber, solemn stunned. I mean, those enormous camps and barracks took incredible planning. They were sophisticated, well-designed killing machines. And thousands of people thought the best thing to do was to round up Jews who had done nothing to them, steal all their possessions, and systematically kill them all. That is twisted. And the nation of Germany as a people with their conscience, they look back on that era of their history, and they're so embarrassed. They're like, what were we thinking? How in the world could that have seemed like the right thing to do? And get this, people, that was not a temporary loss of sanity, a momentary lapse. It was very planned, very systematic. If you know anything about the atrocities that happened in Rwanda, Darfur, genocide, let's just take all the women and children and kill them. Let's chop off the arms and hands of little kids. What? I could go on and on. Child pornography, well, that, that's an industry. That makes sense. Child prostitution. Folks, every one of those things is just a blip on the radar in our culture, another picture in the news. But I would challenge you to take any one of those things and drill down deep and try to explain it without the presence of a devil, without a schemer, without a deceiver, without a murderer. You know, Jesus says, 2,000 years ago, I told you there's a murderer and he accomplishes it through deception. 
and he will not tip his hat to his existence because he's not going to overplay his hand. But there is an invisible world that impacts our visible world every single day. And that's why every single day I submit myself to God and I pray this prayer for me and for my family. Lord, keep the enemy and his lies far from me and help me to recognize his lies when they pop into my mind. And I would encourage you to begin praying that prayer. Lord, keep the enemy and his lies far from me and help me to recognize when somehow those lies get into my head. Because there's a deceiver. And I don't fear that he's going to show up in some weird, strange Halloween kind of way. That's not my concern. My concern is that our reality gets twisted. Our views of one another, our marriage, how we raise kids, our money, our world, our religion, our politics, that somehow our views get so twisted that we end up making decisions that result in the destruction of relationships and possibly even human life. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take an in-depth look at this invisible spiritual world. And we're going to ask God to maybe help us to see ourselves a little bit differently and maybe respond to life a little bit differently. Because I'm telling you, things are not always as they appear to be. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know this is a big subject. And as human beings in, in our world here, we can't even begin to scratch the surface of these rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces, and how they impact our lives and how they have for thousands and thousands of years. But God, my prayer is that we would, through this series, be aware of the fact that it's real. That just like germs that we can't see are real and they impact us and they can be threatening, in the same way, this invisible spiritual world that's all around us, this spiritual battle is very real to the point where Paul could say it's not even about just flesh and blood. It's not just battling our own tendencies, our own sin nature, or the world around us, that there is a real dark spiritual army that exists and it gets in our head and, and somehow we have to battle this. We have to learn how to fight this. And so God, that's my prayer. Then the weeks ahead, we would open up our minds to the truth of your word and it would change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let me just encourage you, starting this week, just pray that prayer. Lord, keep the enemy and his lies far from me. Okay, we're gonna talk further about what that means, but that's a good prayer to get started. You guys have a wonderful day.